first lessons on Wednesday reminded me exactly how fast it is that I can forget how to teach. I walked into Classics 300 with a fully prepared lesson, except I'd actually forgotten to print out the handouts I needed. And I went into 9 IDE full of beans and the material overshot, and I ended up quite grumpy with myself. So, yeah, on Friday, I guess things were okay again. Well, let's review the um, action points from week one. Number one was remove comfy chairs, email home, and meet students session one on Wednesday to reset for term two. So I emailed the four families of the four students and got one reply back, a supportive reply. I went to meet the students on session one um, on Wednesday, but two were away. One was just away and one was on holiday in Auckland. Uh, the two that I did meet took on board um, the uh, concept of sitting at a desk and starting fresh for term two. And, but when we got to session, last session of the day that day, um, one of those two people I spoke to didn't show up, so they wagged the class. However, one person did uh, come, and they sat at a desk, and they did work, so I'm going to take that as a win. I called home after that lesson for the missing students, and I called home for the other two students who weren't there. I had a good conversation with the parent of the wagging students and basically any kind of work on the toughest kids to reach is a drain on time and we all know that and that's why it doesn't generally uh, get done and I suppose I would say that in our time poor world it is best to I've decided to get on to the year nine students before they are you know lost out of the system uh, but whatever rationale you use, um, you go. You have to select who you're going to um, who you're going to work with. So it's that recurring painful realization that a you can't save everyone, and b you can't even save everyone in the group you target, and c it's still worth trying. Um, second point was to check progress of Classic 300 students contact home to give parents up-to-date info. So I'm doing that later today, though I had a quick look through the work and uh, gave them a warning on Thursday. And goal three was to reteach the Merit Excellence on um, Thursday's lesson for understanding religion and email parents. So I did that and I went through the work in detail as well on Friday, and I sent emails to the parents of the three students who have done diddly squat and got one reply back. Uh, from looking through that work, I can see that the students are generally uh, seem to be pushing into merit and quite a few of the excellence. Which leads me to my first tangent uh, of the week. So last week I said that I get students to take notes by hand, and I guess I should have said what that looks like. Uh, it doesn't look like a university lecture. It typically looks like this. I give the students a handout uh, with a, a wide right-hand margin, and we read the material together, and they take notes down the right-hand side of that text. And then when we get to the end of the text, they summarize um, their notes, uh, either at the bottom of the page or in their books. So that's what I meant by note-taking, rather than you know lecture-style stuff. So tangent two, I said in the last morning meeting that I talk about the data I collected from the Classics 200 formative, 
But I, I only want to talk about that in a very broad way, not in obviously the nitty gritty of the specific students in Classics 200. So Driven by Data, the book, the Bible, the way of life, tells me that my data report um, for any kind of assessment should collect data at four levels and it should all be on one page. I should be able to see on that one page data at the question level. So I should be able to see which questions were the easiest and the hardest. Um, the standard level, as in what percentage of people passed the standard or did very well or did very poorly. I should be able to see it at the individual student level. So how did each individual student go individually? And at a, a whole um, class level of students, i.e being able to rank the students in terms of who are the top band, middle band, and bottom band. So I haven't really done that before at that kind of level of detail. Um, and yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, there's a link to my spreadsheet for you to look at if you want to, uh, more just to show uh, what it looks like rather than for you to actually read the information there. Um, there's a lot I could say about this data sheet, but I want to pull out some of the more broad use um observations that might be more useful to you so firstly um for this particular uh thing which was writing an essay under test conditions about sculpture um i hadn't actually done a know and show for this at the beginning of the topic uh and that was a big disadvantage because although i could draw the criteria from the standard and make those things running along the top of the criteria. Um, I hadn't been really focusing on them as well as I should have been during the teaching. Um, so I was marking them against, in some cases, things I hadn't really specifically drawn out. Um, so a really clear understanding of the no and show is critical. Uh, secondly, this is kind of an autopsy. This represents, because it is an end of unit test, uh so what i learned i'm not going to be able to reteach except i am because it is a formative and we're doing another one but it's in term three so it's going to be quite a lag uh, between um there's going to be a delay in the usefulness of this and uh quick reteaching is much better than long delayed um, reteaching so having this kind of data spreadsheet for uh, a checkpoint would be the most powerful um, thing but this is still going to be useful to me and then thirdly um, seeing the averages at the bottom of each column um, for each criteria uh, is really powerful uh, for example uh, in my classes 200 spreadsheet it shows me that students were on average good at using evidence uh, but weak at drawing conclusions or weaker at drawing conclusions um, and it's also interesting to note, for example, that the average response length in terms of words at Merit Excellence, 740 words, but the average response length for achieved, not achieved answers was 470 words. So, I mean, that's useful information to pass on to those students. So, as I said, there's a whole lot of other observations I could make about this, uh, but that may be enough on that for the Monday meeting. The short version is it's really um, it's really compelling evidence to me that having a one sheet 
um, data capture that captures the question level, standard level, individual student and student rankings is, um, is really good and it's critical to have that know and show so that that's as effective as possible. Which leaves only the Monday meeting questions um, and I'm only going to apply it to 9IDE this time. Um, so question at the start of the week is what are the obstacles getting in the way of student achievement in 9IDE? So putting the target students aside, I'm still focused on them, but let's talk about something else. Um, the main barrier here is differentiation, I think. The spread in the class is from stain line 2 to stain line 9. It is a really big spread, weighted more towards the 2 than the 9, but there are a few people up there at 9. Uh, and I have not really been dealing with that um, adequately. And that is uh, getting in the way of student achievement for both ends of that um, that span. So question two, how do we remove these obstacles and take immediate action? Well, I've spent quite a lot of time over the last two weeks creating the know and show and exemplars for this class, which is helpful. So my next step must be for the lesson on Tuesday to trials setting up tasks that can be done at three levels uh, in the class. And that, of course, will be work. And I will probably talk about that uh, next time because I just got a book from the library about differentiation. Until then, gambate.